everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk About Today with Arvin. Today on the show, I am very, very excited to have a super special guest. Uh, he was the Minister of Transportation uh, for four years under the, the uh, Liberal government here in Ontario, and he's currently the leader of Ontario's Liberal Party. I'm here joined by Stephen Del Duca. Stephen, how's it going? Oh, it's going okay under the circumstances, Arvin. It's great to be on with you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So am I, for sure. Um, so, Stephen, uh, you know, one year ago, about, you know, a week ago, I think, was uh, the uh, Ontario Liberal Party Leadership Convention, where you were, uh, you know, happily elected leader. And, uh, you know, to think about how, you know, just a week after sort of things took a turn for the worse, uh, uh, you know, across the world uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, you know, and, I, you know, people have seen you on TV and you've been holding the Ford government to account and doing a lot of incredible work as a leader. But uh, we got, I got to ask, you know, how are you doing yourself and how is your family doing uh, during this tough time? Well, obviously, it's been very disruptive for not only for us, but for people across Ontario, across Canada and around the world. Um, here at home, we're doing OK. We're actually quite fortunate. Um, you know, we obviously I'm busy with work. My wife is busy running her own business from from home as she has for a number of years. My daughters who are in grade eight and grade four they're you know, they've been learning from home when they've needed to. They've been at school where they are where they are now. They're doing again. OK. And my parents and my in-laws, everyone's doing reasonably well. I think the you know, we're quite blessed. We're quite fortunate. There are literally hundreds of thousands of Ontarians who are in very tough circumstances. Too many have lost loved ones. Many have lost their jobs or their small businesses. So uh, we're actually quite blessed. Of course, we're, we're optimistic that this is the year in which we are gonna get through COVID. Hopefully before the end of this calendar year, people are vaccinated. We are, you know, we are reopened. We're moving forward as a province. That's what I'm looking forward to because it's been a really, really tough now year uh, for the 15 million people who call our province home. Definitely, for sure. Yeah, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best this year, definitely. Um, so, Stephen, you know, as I said before, you know, people watch you, uh, you know, on TV holding the Ford government to account. And usually it's uh, very all, you know, government related, of course, and uh, related to politics. But I think, uh, you know, this is a great chance for, I guess, young people or just people in general to sort of, uh, see behind the curtains and learn more about you, you know, as a person, I, th I think you have a fantastic story about, uh, you know, getting into politics in general and just getting involved. And so, you know, I always hear your story about how I think you got involved with the party uh, when you were 15, started volunteering. And, um, you know, that's that's always awesome to hear. I, I started volunteering at an early age as well. And I think it's great for young people to just, you know, get outside, perhaps knock on a couple doors, make some calls and just learn how, uh, you know, the sausage is made, I guess. Uh, so I'm sort of curious, like, what was your uh, first exposure to politics and, you know, maybe your first experience with it and what made you want to get involved? <laughs> well, it was, I, I was actually 14, technically, when it started. I oh, okay. Was, nice. I was at a family function and a cousin of mine approached my parents. He's a bit older than I am. And he asked them if I was available to come to a meeting a couple of weeks after that point in time. My parents said, well, you know, go and ask Stephen. He's sitting right there. So my cousin came over. He asked me. I said, sure. I had, I had no clue what it was about. I didn't, I didn't know it was political. I didn't know it was liberal. I didn't know any of those things. And it was about a week or, or so later. And as it turned out, it was probably the most hotly contested federal nomination of that season, that, that, that cycle, um, that, that election cycle uh, back in 1988 in the, in the GTA. Um, so it was a big meeting. It was held at an air, a, a hotel near Pearson Airport. 
There were about 4,000 people there. National media showed up. So when I, in, in the, the running joke that I, that I talked a lot about when I was running for leader and I've said to a lot of other people, because it's true, is that when I arrived in the big ballroom and saw all of these people and the big spotlights and I felt the electricity in the air, I knew in that moment why my cousin needed me to come to that meeting. And the reason was because he needed unskilled labor. And so because myself and a bunch of other young guys were there to literally, like every volunteer who's ever worked in politics or elsewhere knows, putting up the tables, unfolding the chairs, putting up signs, blowing up balloons and doing all of that stuff. But I, for some reason, was really kind of enraptured or taken by uh, the concept of this big meeting. A few weeks later, the candidate that we were there to support who was successful in the nomination started campaigning in the 1988 federal election. And so uh, I started to campaign on, uh, to volunteer on his campaign. And back then federal elections, Arvin, they were a lot longer than 35 days. They were, you know, like 40, 45, 50 days from what I remember, yeah. not including the pre-writ period. So I spent several months knocking on doors. Uh, the writing was Eglinton Lawrence, still is Eglinton Lawrence today. And I got to know people who were still in my life, friends that I've had for the last 33 years. And my political involvement and activism just kind of grew from there. That's awesome. Wow. That's so interesting how, you know, I guess, uh, you, you know, a member of your family was like, hey, you know, come and check this, you know, check this meeting out. And you're like, I don't know yeah. what this is all about. And then boom, it's, you know, it's, it catches your attention for sure. So that that's really interesting, I guess, that you didn't really have, I guess, did you have sites for politics? Like, were you sort of like following the news and that stuff at that time, like before the meeting, I guess? Well, this would have been, so this would have been um, the early part of 1988, so the spring of 1988. And in that, that, at Christmas, the year, that year, my older sister had gotten me a book. And I guess, I guess she had seen that I had an interest in history, Canadian history, uh, that I was, as you mentioned, reading the newspapers, looking at a lot of political stuff. I know that makes me a bit of a nerd, and that's fine. I am a nerd when it comes to politics, for sure. Uh, so she got me a book that was called The Rainmaker. And it was written, it was the autobiography of Senator Keith Davey, who was a national campaign chair for former prime ministers, uh, Lester B. Pearson and uh, uh, the first Trudeau prime minister, uh, Pierre Trudeau. And so I didn't know anything about Keith Davey at that point in time. I read the book uh, over the Christmas break of 1988. I was really kind of taken by the book. And it was just a few months later that I was invited to this meeting and things kind of grew from there. So you know, I tell people, look, I was really lucky. I think that my vocation or my career um, my love, my passion of politics kind of found me at a very young age, and I've remained active for now 33 consecutive years. I tell people that 75% of my time on planet Earth has been actively engaged in politics through the federal and provincial liberal party. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, that's a really interesting story. That's fantastic. And that that book sounds like, a, you know, or I guess a really uh, in-depth book for, uh, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids. That, that's good stuff. <laughs> Um, so, I think you're uh, calling me now too, so, so thank you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after that, you know, <laughs> so yeah, so after that, you you know, you go to university, I think York University, right? And um, uh, you study, you know, law and uh, I, I think you, um, you know, did you sort of like, I guess, have sites to want to become like a lawyer? Or like, did you think like, I want to get involved in politics, but I guess more of uh, maybe how I can, uh, you know, contribute on the legal aspect, perhaps, or? No, so I did my undergrad studying at both Carleton and the University of Toronto, and my focus was political science and Canadian history, not shockingly. 
I was already actively involved at that point in time in the party. I'd already been in a position to uh, be a deputy campaign manager and then ultimately a campaign manager. And, um, and so then I, when I finished at university the first time, I landed a job after the 1995 provincial election at Queen's Park in 1996, working for a former MPP who had decided back then to run for leader of the party. And so for about 12 months, maybe a little less than 12 months, I was on the road with her. She was running a pretty small campaign. So we only had a handful of staff and I was one of the few. So I was kind of like her, what we call it a body person or an aide. I was with her all the time, crisscrossing the province. She ultimately wasn't successful in running for leader. That was the leadership convention that Dalton McGinty went on to win about, uh, about a few months after the leadership convention was done. I went to work in Dalton's office and I actually stayed employed, not just volunteering, but employed in politics from about 1996 until 2003. I also worked for a federal minister. Then I went back to Queens Park and worked for my predecessor in Vaughan, Greg Cerbera. And it was after about a year of working for Greg that I made the decision as I was turning 30 that I wanted to pursue my law degree. I had always wanted to do a law degree and I kind of made a, a, like a quiet commitment to myself that if I wasn't in law school by the age of 30, I would kind of give up on that dream. And so that was the year that I applied. I got accepted to Osgoode Hall at York University and that's where I went on to do my law degree and graduated a few years later. That's so cool. So I guess, you know, you, you had that work experience at first, you sort of, uh, you know, played in the field and did a lot of, uh, you know, work in politics at first. And that's, that's, that's awesome that you have sort of had that goal that, you know, if I don't do this before 30, I guess yeah. it's not really for me. And then you sort of went for it and uh, it, it, it worked out pretty well for you. That's awesome. So, um, you know, so as you said, you worked in politics for many years, you did, you did, you know, um, your studies in law as well. And then eventually, you know, you sort of went on, uh, you know, when you became, of course, very experienced and very knowledgeable on politics and law, of course, uh, you decided to run uh, in the 2012 election. And so I'm sort of curious, like, what was uh, like I, the motivating factor or perhaps what inspired you to want to, you know, step up and throw your hat in the ring? And so I'd made the decision a few years before that point in time that I was going to run. In fact, my first my first attempt at running wasn't provincial or federal. In 2010, here where I live in Vaughan, I ran for municipal council. And I'd never really, I'd always been involved municipally as well, but I'd never had a desire to run for city council. Back in 2006, 2007, 2008, the city of Vaughan had a bit of a, a bad reputation. There was a lot of negative media stories that had been published about how city hall wasn't functioning very well. And so I've lived here since I was a kid. I'm very, you know, I love my city. I love where I live, where my wife and I are raising our family. And I decided in 2010, uh, out of the blue, uh, to run for municipal council. I didn't have any real profile here locally. My wife thought I was a little bit crazy. She knew I had the political bug, but she'd never heard me say I was going to run municipally. A lot of other people were caught off guard. I had a blast on that campaign. It was very grassroots. I didn't take any corporate or union donations, which back then you were allowed to do. It was all individual small dollar donations. And we camp I literally knocked on doors from April of 2010 right until October. My campaign team grew very organically, and I came within 200, less than 250 votes of winning, but finished a very close second to the woman who went on to win that night. It was a pretty, it was a pretty hard loss to take, but, um, but uh, not that long after. So 2012 actually wasn't a general election, Arvin. It was a by-election that was created because my predecessor here, Greg Cerbera, 
who had been serving as the MPP for Vaughan for many, many years, had decided in the summer of 2012 that he was going to be retiring. And so when I got news that Greg was retiring, and Greg, by the way, I had worked for Greg, as I mentioned, I was close to him. I was his riding president. Uh, when, when I learned that he was planning to step down, he already knew of my interest because I had been very honest with him that I wanted to run provincially to succeed him uh, whenever he'd made that decision. So once Greg had made the decision and notified the then premier and the party, everything happened very quickly. I was thrust into a by-election campaign very, very quickly. In fact, from the day Greg told me until the day I was elected as MPP was only about, from what I remember, it was only about six weeks. It was a very, very rapid turnaround. And so, you know, I was elected in early September 2012 uh, before losing my seat in 2018. So yeah, that, that's fantastic that you you know sort of stepped up and ran ran in the municipal election in 2010. And uh, yeah, thank you for clarifying. Of course, yeah, 2012 that was a, a by election in your riding of Vaughn that you ran in. So um, do you really think like do you think that you know that grassroots sort of campaign that you ran in the municipal election? Do you think that sort of helped you build a profile in the community and sort of uh, you know get your name out there? Uh, and and do, do you think it helped in the by election two years after? I do definitely think it helped for sure. But the interesting thing is, you know, and it's tough sometimes when you lose anything in life to, to realize, you know, you got to keep your head up, you got to keep going. But here's the funny part. If I had won my municipal council seat in 2010, there's a pretty good chance I would never have become an MPP because if, I mean, I just knowing myself, if I had just gotten elected as a councillor in 2010, the chances of me then turning around before I'd even served one full term on council to go on to run provincially would have been close to zero. I don't think I would have had any credibility. I don't think I would have wanted to do that. I wouldn't have felt like it was the right thing um, in terms of my service to my constituents. So I can remember the feeling I had of losing municipally on the night of, uh, in that night in October of 2010, it was a rough feeling, but they say in life that uh, there's an old saying that a, a dream delayed is not necessarily a dream denied. And I am living proof that that in fact is true because Again, I went on to become the MPP. I loved serving this community. I loved serving in cabinet in two portfolios. And now it's an absolute delight to lead the Ontario Liberal Party. And if I'd won that municipal seat, chances are pretty good that I wouldn't be sitting here right now as Ontario Liberal Party leader. It's funny how life turns out. Definitely. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I really like that quote as well. Um, it, it's always good to, you know, I guess, keep our heads up and be resilient, uh, you know, no matter what happens in life, because, uh, you know, when a door closes, maybe a bigger one opens for us, right? For sure, That's right. exactly. So, so uh, in in 2012, you become MPP, and then uh, later on in 2014, you become Minister of Transportation. And during you know that time uh, up till 2018, I I personally think you know the Ontario Liberal government did a lot of fantastic work to I guess move Ontario forward for you know the future and. Uh, definitely compared to what, what the progressive conservative government's doing now, uh, they're sort of moving us backwards. But, um, you know, with, with all the fantastic things that happened uh, during the six years that you were, uh, you know, in the, in the liberal government, is there sort of like a, a memorable moment that uh, you sort of felt, you know, either personally very proud or personally sort of, you know, very uh, memorable that it gave you like a different perspective on how politics works, perhaps? Yeah, I would say that the, for me, the most important personal achievement, which I, I still look back on very fondly, was the getting the final approval to start construction on the Vaughan Hospital. Uh, so I, as we've talked about, I became an MPP in 2012, but about four or five years before I got elected, uh, I'd actually started to volunteer as an advocate as part of the group that was trying to bring a hospital to Vaughan. 
uh, up until the point that we opened the doors of the Vaughan Hospital just a number of weeks ago, Vaughan was on, was Canada's largest city without its own hospital. So the advocacy, the work, the seeds were planted on, on this all the way back in, from what I remember, 2003, 2004, there was a lot of work that was done to prepare. And again, I, I volunteered to help with fundraising and advocacy and uh, to be the MPP for this community who actually secured the one point, from what I remember, $1.3 billion investment from the province of Ontario to get the hospital construction started, to be there for the groundbreaking, to know that my family and all of the families across Vaughan who've helped to build this community and build this province and country would have their very own hospital close to home was, was a very, um, it was a very touching and kind of poignant moment for me. And I'll, I'll tell you that the Vaughan Hospital, the Cortellucci Vaughan Hospital, that's its official name, it opened its doors back on February the 7th, so just about a month ago. And um, I'll tell you a really quick funny story, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, so obviously sure. it's, it's COVID, so the groundbreaking was a traditional event, but the official ribbon cutting was all virtual. Uh, very happy for the community, as I said. But as it turned out, about a week or two before the hospital opened, my mom, who also lives in Woodbridge, she had to book an appointment for a CT scan. And as it turned out, the system here, like her doctor did the referral to McKenzie Health. And, and again, as it turned out, she was assigned to get her CT scan done on Monday, February the 8th at the new Cortellucci Vaughn Hospital. And she asked me if I would drive her early that morning. So I did. I drove her over to the hospital. She went in and had her CT, CT scan done. And when she came out of the area, the woman who was working with her said, we just wanted to let you know, you are the very first person to receive a CT scan at the brand new Cortellucci Vaughn Hospital. I was waiting for her in the wow. parking lot. Because of COVID, I wasn't allowed into the building. She came out and said, I can't believe it. I was the very first person. And so I look back on all of the years that I and so many others put into building this thing and making it real for the people of Vaughn. And I just thought that was like, I kind of paused and I thought what an incredibly touching moment to know that my mom was among the first to be able to benefit from this brand new state-of-the-art hospital that her son had a small part in helping to deliver for Vaughn. So that is that, that that entire experience of the hospital really stands out as something that I will never forget, that I will always look back on fondly as a, a signature achievement. Wow, that's that's a really super powerful story. That's that's really interesting for sure. That definitely a, a memorable moment for sure, I guess. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so you know, we talked about re resiliency and, um, you know, after the 2018 election, you wanted to step up and, you know, take leadership and say, you know, hey, you know, especially with Doug Ford as premier, unfortunately, uh, th this ain't it, you know, we need to, we need, we need better leadership in Ontario, and we need to, you know, put ourselves in the right direction. And so you stepped up, you ran for leader. And as I mentioned, you know, last year, uh, around this time, you became leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. And if we look back on this past year, you know, a lot of great work done. Uh, you know, I read recently, of course, that the, the party had paid off uh, a lot of its debt. Uh, I, I believe it's you know, completely, yeah, I guess, we're now dead. yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was, that's, uh, you know, a big thing for sure. That's especially in your first year of, of leadership. Uh, and uh, 30 candidates have been nominated, uh, you know, across Ontario. 
Uh, and, you know, a lot of them are women, a lot of them are people of color, a lot of diversity, uh, you know, in this field. And uh, I think I think there's a lot for you to be proud of in, in your first year of leadership. Uh, I guess so. My, my question is, what do you think is sort of like next in, in, in line for you, I guess, to sort of tackle? Yeah, so for sure, as an opposition party, we'll continue to hold Doug Ford and the government to account for mistakes that we think they're making or where where we think they could be performing better. Um, I will say, though, from the party's perspective, the most important work that we're doing right now is a little bit kind of outside the limelight, a little bit behind the scenes. So for me, it's really important to put all of the pieces in place in order to make sure that we are competitive and successful in next year's election campaign. You talked about the fact that we are now debt free. We're the only main political party in Ontario that's totally now debt free. All of the other parties, including the Conservatives and the NDP, are carrying debt still. Uh, we've nominated 30 of our candidates, 60% are female, 50% are people of color, four of the candidates are under the age of 30, which is really important to me personally. Um, we, we made our party membership free back on July the 1st of last year, which by the way also makes us the only political party, the only major political party in Ontario where there's no cost or barrier to enter the party. And after making our membership free, We've now more than doubled the size of our member membership. We've had exponential growth in our membership. We are now close to 80,000 members across this province, which is really, really exciting. The most important piece now that we're very focused on is our platform consultation. So I look, I believe there will be lots of space for me and other opposition leaders to be critical of Doug Ford. That's part of our job, to be constructively critical of a government. But I think for the next election campaign, what the people of Ontario will be looking for is the leader and the team that have the best forward-looking positive roadmap for the province. And so that's why there's a lot of heavy lifting that's required for the campaign platform, for the ideas that we're going to be blending into uh, the story that we're going to put in front of the people of Ontario. And so we officially launched our platform consultation about three, four weeks ago. We're calling it Take the Mic. You don't have to be a member of the party to participate. Just visit takethemic.ontarioliberal.ca. Anybody in this province can join in the conversation. Let us know what they're thinking, how they're feeling about the future of this province. I'm, I'm quite certain that Ontario Liberals will put together a very compelling and relatable roadmap for the future. And that's the work that we're very much focused on right now. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for, I guess, you know, creating this movement uh, in, in Ontario and, uh, um, you know, getting people involved and getting people mobilized and uh, excited for the, the next year to come because that election, it's going to be June 2022 and uh, a lot on the line for Ontario for sure. For sure. So, uh, Stephen, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show, but also thank you so much for all your work as leader. And uh, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I personally hope that you will be the next premier of Ontario because we really need some leadership in this province, uh, especially with Doug Ford as premier right now. Well, thank you for Arvin for that. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you. It's great to hear you. And I'm glad you're staying safe and healthy. And I do. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to be on your podcast today. It's great. Thank you so much. All the best, Stephen. All the best to you and your you family. Too. Thanks.